Turn, if you would, to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 27. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 27. A baccalaureate service is traditionally considered an opportunity for the featured speaker to give the captive audience of the graduating class some advice. And I'm not going to disappoint you today. However, this advice is not just for us alone, for them alone, but for us also. You know, anytime we have a graduating class, we say, look at these young folks. They've got the rest of their lives ahead of them. Isn't that true with the rest of us? We've got the rest of our lives ahead of us. And you might say, yeah, but, but, but they have a, a lot longer than we have. We may not have a whole lot left. Well, I remember one time a conversation I had with a, a gentleman who was telling me years and years before he was cruising some timber or something and we, would come across cemeteries. And he would come across these old cemeteries and he would see where people just lived to be about 50 or 60. Uh, and he was 45 at that time and he said, I didn't think I had too much longer to live. And I just thought that my life was just about over. And as I was talking to this gentleman, he was 98 years old. That was Marvin's granddaddy. And I was visiting with him, and he was 98 years old, lived to be 99 years old. So don't say we don't have a lot of our future ahead of us. We don't know how much future we have of us. All of us have a future. All of us have the rest of our lives. And all of us should be doing something productive with it, not just the graduating seniors. So we want to be sure that as we look at this passage of Scripture, that we don't just sit back and say, this is for these guys. It is, but it's for us too. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for the word, and we thank you for the advice that we find in your word. And I ask that this advice would find open hearts, not just, of course, in the minds and hearts of these students, but also in our hearts and our minds. There's something here for all of us, and we ask that you would show us what we need to know. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Paul is giving some advice to the Philippian Christians. So I would say if I was going to give some advice to Peyton and Ty, that I would take the advice from God's word because we realize if Paul gave this advice to the Christians then and God saw fit to place it in his inspired word, then this advice has eternal worth for all of us. Paul's advice, of course, we're just going to zero in on one statement. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now in the King James Version it reads this way, 
Let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. Conversation means conduct and lifestyle. In one passage of scripture, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it also is the same Greek word, means citizenship. He says, your citizenship is in heaven. And so when he says, only let your conversation be as becomes the gospel of Christ, some English translators said it this way, let us behave as citizens of heaven. So, of course, the first piece of advice, remember where you're from. Remember the family that you're from. Remember the church that you're from. Remember that you are a citizen of heaven and you are a child of the king. However, if we zero in on this, the old English word becometh. The word becometh means to make one look good. And I know the Greek equivalent is let your lifestyle be worthy or equivalent to the gospel. But to translate it with this word, live your life in such a way as to make the gospel attractive. Because the word becometh, I remember somebody, the first time I heard it, I was just a kid. And they said, hey, that green shirt becomes you. And I'm thinking, now that is really scary. That shirt's going to turn into me. Because I didn't know what the word meant. And they had to explain, well, that meant that green shirt makes you look good. Well, make me want to wear the green shirt. Because it says that green shirt makes you look attractive. And the word means, if we're going to say, let your lifestyle be as becomes the gospel of Christ, let your life be lived in such a way where you make the gospel look appealing to the people around you. Now, the gospel is attractive when we are attractive. The gospel will be attractive when your lifestyle is attractive. As you go through life, it's important to remember what is attractive and what is not. To look your best. It's important to look your best. Now, I know a lot of times you might think, well, this business of looking your best, this is what old folks tell you. This business of looking your best, this is just what old people say. This is not for me and my generation. Well, you might say that. But looking your best is important. And actually, let me just read you a quote read you a quote from somebody that you might not think agrees with the fact that looking your best is quite important. Clean shirt, new shoes, and I don't know where I'm going to. Silk suit, black tie, I don't need a reason why. They come running just as fast as they can because every girl crazy about a sharp-dressed man. Now, that came from notable theologian ZZ Top. <laughs> it's important for you to look good. But I'm not talking about looking good that way. But it is important to look good. And I'm going to give you just a list of some things that look good, that make you look good. And when you look good, makes the gospel look good. And this is important for our graduating seniors and the other students. And this is really important for young people as you step out in life. Because right now, you have basically been writing on your parents' name and their reputation. And before too long, you'll be building your own reputation. And it's important for you to know what looks attractive and makes the gospel look attractive. And here's some things we need to remember. 
Number one, manners are still attractive in any age group, but especially young people. Do you know we hear from people all over that encounter our youth group and our young people, and they tell us we are so impressed about how polite and how well-mannered your kids are. I've had waitresses stop me on the way out to the bus and said, we are just impressed at how well-behaved your kids are. When other youth groups come, it's like a circus in here. It's a zoo. They, they don't know how to act. Our kids have always presented themselves in a mannerly way, and that is attractive, and it will attract attention. When you have respect for women, when you have respect for your elders, people will take notice. It is very attractive. Sharon and I went to... Uh, Baltimore. Well, Baltimore is part of the trip. We were meeting Nate and Brandy up in Philadelphia, and we went a little bit early. We were going to go to Washington, D.C., and we spent a day in Baltimore. Well, we got on the bus, the public transportation uh, in Baltimore. This bus was going around. The bus filled up, and the bus filled up, and they stopped at a, at a bus stop, and a lady got on. Well, the lady got on the bus, and I got up and offered her my seat and she said honey you not from around here are you <laughs> and before I could answer she said this you must be from the south because only in the south do people still have manners like that and you know what I said yes ma'am I'm from the south <laughs> there was no question when I opened my mouth but isn't that something just something like standing up and letting a lady take the seat. And I'm looking around at the bus full of men who would not stand up and give a woman a seat. And I thought, how sad. Manners are always attractive. Kindness and courtesy are still attractive. Definitely, like we mentioned this morning, compassion. Genuine care for the people around you. Through life, when you get a job, when you deal with people, when you're asked to take care of a task, we have two things we can offer. We can offer excellence or we can offer excuses. Excellence is much more attractive than an excuse. Excuses are cheap and easy to come by and excuses are definitely unattractive. And and excellence is always attractive in anything that you do. Sometimes in order to get from point A to point B, you've got to do things you didn't plan on doing. Even in jobs you may think are not important, do your best. In my life of trying to get to point A to point B, I sacked groceries, I mopped floors, I built storm doors, I worked at a steakhouse up in Conway, I cleaned the toilets, I bust tables, I wash dishes. Those things were not something I planned to do for the rest of my life, but I did them to get from point A to point B. And in all of that, it was important to do my best. Because if we can't learn to do our best in these things, it's going to be hard to transfer over to the things we might think are important in everything. Paul said it this way to the Colossian Christians, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men. 
The Amplified says, whatever you do, you put your heart into it. And if it's even a menial task that you think nobody else cares about, we need to get into the habit of offering excellence and not excuses because excellence is always more attractive. In like manner, an apology is always more attractive than an excuse. Guys, we're going to make mistakes. We have all made mistakes. When we make a mistake, and that mistake involves another person, we can try to make excuses or shift the blame, or we can just step up and say, I made a mistake, I was wrong, I apologize, please forgive me. That's always more attractive than trying to make an excuse. Always more attractive. When we make an ex a mistake, own it. That's my mistake. Own it and apologize. Do what it takes, if at all possible, to make it right, then move on. We make excuses. We try to shift the blame. We string that thing out for a long time. And the only way to truly get it settled is to own it, admit it, apologize for it. Moral integrity is also unmatched in attractiveness. There is nothing that matches the attractiveness and the beauty and the appeal of honesty. Do what you say you're going to do. Decency. We live in a harsh, rough, crude, and lewd world. You get someone who rises to a level of decency and that makes people stand up and take notice. We had a group of guys that was building a wheelchair ramp up in Waldo the other day. And you know what the lady noticed? She came out and she said, you know, this is the first time in a long time I've seen a group of men work together all day and not heard a single curse word. Now, I'd a lot rather hear that kind of thing than her to come out and start complimenting the wheelchair ramp. Although she did compliment the wheelchair ramp, she took a picture of it and she texted it to me. Because for the integrity of the ramp, I don't participate in the structure and the uh, construction thereof. I help with other things. But she was so thrilled with that, but she was even more thrilled with the attractiveness of decency. And guys, anybody can be crude, but it takes effort to be a decent individual. And then there's devotion, devotion to family, devotion to the church. That is attractive beyond measure and devotion to the Lord. It's important to look attractive. All these things make us attractive, and when we're attractive, we make the gospel attractive, which is really our job here on this earth ultimately, no matter what career we go into. Our job is to make the gospel attractive and to make Jesus Christ famous, regardless of what else our career might be. So if I'm going to look attractive and be a sharp-dressed man, I'm going to need some instruction. Back in 1975, 
a man by the name of John T. Malloy wrote the book, Tress for Success. That book took off like a rocket, and it was number one bestseller in 1977. You can still find that book. In fact, he revised that book uh, back in the late 80s, The New Dress for Success, because fashion had changed, but not that much. And The New Dress for Success really didn't change just a whole lot about the basic picture of attractiveness and how to dress for success. Well, we're not talking about dressing for success when it comes to shirt, tie, and coat. We're talking about dressing for success and making ourselves attractive with these components that I have mentioned. Manners, kindness, excellence, an apology, moral integrity, all of these things. How do we dress for success? Well, there's a book, and here it is. This book will teach us how to dress for success, how to make our lives attractive, how to make our church attractive, how to make the gospel attractive. This book is how you two guys can dress for success and how the rest of us can dress for success. But in view of that, we're going to give you one of these books, How to Dress for Success and the Life Ahead of You, which, of course, is your Bible. And as your church, we are thrilled to present this Bible to you and let you guys know that wherever your path leads, whatever career choice you have, we're behind you and we're praying for you. Remember where you're from and go from here in strength. So I'm going to ask...